So I, I kind of warned you a little bit earlier um, that um, tonight may, you know, if you, how many of you, like, I think it was two weeks ago um, was the last time that we had service um, where you had the chance to actually listen to that service. It was just a couple weeks ago where I kind of just lost my mind, okay? I was here. I remember it. Um, and uh, the reason I, I'm mentioning that is because I think tonight maybe come another night like a few weeks ago. And so I think I'm going to start calling this series um, The Ramblings of a Rural Pastor um, is what we're going to go with. Um, that sounds good. I didn't make a cool um, graphic. I didn't have time to, to do anything cool and, or have Beth do it. Um, but tonight what we're going to end up talking about as I talk about my rambling ways is we're going to talk about comfy Christianity. Comfy Christianity. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit because this thought really hit me today, okay? And it is a, it is a terrifying thought from my perspective. The comfort of Christianity for many of us has kept us from realizing the condition of our neighbors, the condition of our friends, the condition of our family, because we have found ourselves satisfied with the comfort of Christianity. Like, I mean, let's just be honest, from our own perspective, from many of our in our lives, the comfort of Christianity is great because if we all, like, if we all in this, like, in the body of Christ, right, okay, now I'm going to warn you right now, Bethany is my claws queen. I say that a lot. Um, and so she reminds me all the time that I need to say clauses because some people don't know my weird ways and some of the things that I say. Okay. So if I don't throw a clause out, just imagine that's where I should have probably put a clause and Bethany will remind me later, you really should have threw a clause in there. Okay. That'll make sense as I get into this and I'll say here, let me throw this clause out here. Um, we have gotten so consumed with the body of Christ that we have gotten completely disengaged with the process of connecting people into the body of Christ. Like, we are so consumed with the thoughts and the processes that we have to make everyone feel comfortable, make everyone else feel good, make sure that we bake a pie for the right event, that we have forgotten the fact that we are supposed to connect people into the body of Christ because we're so busy taking care of one another. Licking each other's wounds. Now, here's my claws. <laughs> here's my claws. <laughs> yeah, here's my claws. Those are good things, right? That is what the body of Christ does. That is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to take care of one another. We are supposed to look out for one another. We are supposed to intercede for each other. We, we are supposed to do all of those things. But the problem has become that we are no longer engaging outside of the body of Christ, Hello, what, okay, we're going to get into this, I promise you. Um, we don't really want to see the condition of our neighbors most of the time. We spend more time trying to make them feel bad about their life decisions and what they're doing. Let me tell you something that happened to me, and this happens all of the time, okay? Bethany and I have made it our mission to connect with our neighbors as best as we can because our entire life we've done that this many times. <laughs> we suck at it, okay? 
I mean, we're just not, we've never been good at it. We've, we live busy lives. We're always doing a hundred different things and it seems crazy to us to try to add something else. And when we came to the house that God put us in, we did not want to be in a neighborhood. We wanted to be on acreage. We wanted to have land, right? We wanted all these things. That's what we planned for. And then all of a sudden God gave us the house of our dreams and put it right in the middle of all these daggone ranch homes. And we were like, what the snot? Bethany's first plan was we're going to buy all these and we're going to plow them down. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And I have like lovingly told her many times, honey, do you have any clue how much money that would actually cost? Because that's not going to happen. And she's like, you never know. God could do anything. And that's, that's my wife, okay? And for those of you who are outside, you don't hear her laughing as you normally would. Um, <laughs> but we, we really don't do this anymore. We don't take an effort. And so, so Bethany and I, and it's really just been in the last year. Can I, am I right about that, Beth? I would say we've really made an effort in the last year. Yes. Okay. She's agreeing. I'm not lying. Okay. In the last year to really start to know who our neighbors are and to try to find different ways to serve them. You know why? Because we know their condition. We know that they are not born again believers. And so guess what? We have a mission, right? Now my mission isn't to get over there and start wielding this thing like an old ax and just start, you know, you know, giving them the old heave ho and all that kind of stuff. And I say that because my neighbors will show me and tell me things that I cannot repeat in here. <laughs> and I do not beat them over the head with a mallet. Because what I know is that there is always a time, there is always a moment, there is always a situation that takes place that all of a sudden they say, you know, old Blue House dude, <laughs> he's a pastor, right? And he's, he's never made me feel weird or wrong or anything. He, he's, he's loved me and he's been considerate. And all of a sudden we have these opportunities that take place. And here's the problem. Right now the enemy wants to convince you that the environment that we are in isn't conducive to ministering to the community or ministering to your neighbors. Well, I don't know if I, if I send them some eggs over, man, they might freak out. My boy Judah, my boy Judah is like the egg deliverer in the neighborhood, okay? And partly because Bethany doesn't want to do it, um, but secondly because he's so daggone good at it, okay? And so it's like when we got extra eggs, it's like, all right, Shelby, behind us, Judah, go, you know, and he's like the egg delivery boy, just like running with everything he's got. And he goes, knocks on their doors and they're always so happy to see him and he delivers eggs and they love that. They love that. And we do that for all of the neighbors around here. This, this week we had this crazy thing. Um, so, uh, harvest breaks her leg right on Friday. Um, and I decided it was a great idea to commit to taking care of our neighbor's dogs and cats while they're out of town. Cause th the neighbor asked us for something and we're like, we're doing it. Huh? And so literally every single morning I'm going over there and listen, this can be complex guys. Like people care about their animals a lot. Like us, I mean, we care about our animals. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But like I'm mixing dry food and wet food. I'm splashing water into stuff. And I'm like, this is like, this is more than I do for my kids. Like, you know what I mean? Like just find something, you know, but, but we're doing that to serve them in some way. And see the enemy wants you to believe 
that because of the environment, because of what's happening, that the opportunity to minister is gone. And that is a lie of the enemy. That is a lie of the enemy that is intended to keep you from having a part in connecting people to the body of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that the environment doesn't maybe make it a little bit more difficult, but when has difficulty been an acceptable reason to not prosper the kingdom, right? Turn with me to Acts chapter 16, because I want to talk to you about a situation that was incredibly difficult, but still someone did their role. Someone fulfilled their mission. I'm going to talk to you about Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16, we're going to read verses 25 through 34 here. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Let me tell you something right now. When I was reading that, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, there are some people that are around you now, that are living close to you now, that you need to be bold enough to cry, to cry out, don't harm yourself. I'm here. Let me help you. Let me serve you. Don't worry, but don't feel the way that you are feeling right now. Let me go on. It says, and the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. How many of us, if we were in that position and those doors swung open, how would we have responded? Right? We had probably been pleading for the Lord for some sort of escape, right? And all of a sudden, this escape opens up, this opportunity opens up, right? How many of us would have, listen, if those doors swung open, I'm running for the hills, right? I'm just going to be honest with you here, okay? I'm running for it. I'm in prison wrongly, right? I've been beaten. All of a sudden, I'm worshiping God. The gates swing open, swing wide the gates. I'm gone. Maybe Okay, but here's the thing. There's two things I want you to see here. Paul and Silas never forgot their purpose in their placement. They did not forget their purpose in their placement. So many churches, ministers, believers are currently in a placement that they don't like. And because they don't like it, because it's frustrating, because they don't know what to do, they're forgetting their purpose, your purpose doesn't change just because of your surroundings. Your purpose doesn't change just because the governor says this or the governor says that or the president says this or the president says that. Listen, our purpose does not change and we cannot allow the placement of where we are at and what we are experiencing to determine our purpose. I started this discussion with you a few weeks ago and I'm, I'm continuing now. Our mission as a church 
is to introduce as many people as we can to Jesus. That's it. Simply it. Nothing more, nothing less. We are supposed to introduce as many people as we can to Jesus. Hunkering in our safe place to worship doesn't cut it. I told you this. The environment that we're in, lost people are not walking through those doors. They're not. They're just not. And so we have a responsibility, right? We have to say, okay, our purpose is to do this. So what must we do to fulfill our purpose? Because our purpose cannot be changed because of what we're here. Paul and Silas, they didn't forget it. They saved the life of the jailer who's literally, that, that guy's job was to make sure that they didn't get away. And they saved his life, okay? But Paul and Silas were united in that call. And what the enemy is trying to do through churches all over the world right now is he is trying to break the unity of the body. Are you hearing me? He's trying to break the unity of the body. How is he doing that? By separating us. Right? Now, this is going to sound really wrong, and this is, this is like the biggest clause that I probably need to, show out, to shell out tonight, and here's where I get in trouble. I have to say clauses when I haven't really thought through what I'm saying, and I just start saying it with my mouth, and words just start flowing out, and before I know it, I'm saying stuff, and I'm like, I maybe shouldn't have said that, but just look at what's even happening as our own body. We have half here, half here. He is trying to bring division in such a way that we don't have unity. Think about if Paul and Silas were not united together in that cell. What would have been different about that? I can't answer that question. I have no clue. But what I am telling you is that we have to find a way as the body of Christ to become unified in this. Because everything else that everyone else is seeing is division. Right? And the shame of it is, even within the body of Christ, there is such division. That is not, listen, one of the things that, that God called Beth and I to was to break division in so many ways. That's our heart. To break, to break denominational barriers, which we try everything that we can to do that. We connect with so many different ministers across so many different avenues and believers, and that's why we are the mutt that we are as a church. <laughs> I can say that. It's okay. I've said it before. <laughs> but see, Paul and Silas, they were united. And our, listen, our responsibility is to be united spiritually. We have to be united. Not, not politically, right? I'm not worried about that. That projector's taking some power. <laughs> not politically, not united on opinions, but united spiritually. That's where we have to get our footing, guys. We have to get our footing to a place where that is how we are united, right? What does the word say? 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we need to be rightly dividing the word of truth. Too many of us don't know the word. We've been reliant on some pastor or some leader or some person to spoon feed us for so long that when it comes time for us to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, to try to, listen, you know how many people right now are trying to rush and study the end times? <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of people that are doing that. 
we have to understand that this disruption cannot keep us from consuming the word of God, from depending on it and from uniting in it as a body. You cannot allow your placement to define your purpose. The second thing I want you to see, and this really was like smacking me in the face over and over and over, is what it says in verse 33. It says that he, being the jailer, okay, it says that he took them, being Paul and Silas, right? He took them the same hour of the night, and what did he do? He washed their wounds. He washed their wounds. He didn't, he didn't give them a place to go wash their wounds. He immediately began to serve, right? The devil wants you to perceive that your neighbor's placement is a hindrance to your purpose. But the reality is your neighbor, your family member, your friend, whoever that may be, their purpose may be to turn around and serve you in a need that you have. And see, some of us, we've gone so long dealing with the same pain, dealing with the same struggles, dealing with the same issues. And what I'm recognizing here is that there is a point that when you begin to serve, right, serve your enemy in this story, right, Paul and Silas, the jailer who's trying to keep them locked in, when you serve your enemy, they have access to the throne of God because you are going to introduce them to Jesus. Yes, you are going to introduce them to Jesus. We'll talk about that in a second. But all of a sudden that person all of a sudden becomes your answer, hello, your answer to your pain. Wow, that's crazy. He, he not only did that, he washed their wounds, he brought them into his house and he set food before them. See, it's our lack of spiritual clarity that allows our judgment to be so clouded by everything else, keeping us from our true purpose. There is, there's a, um, I want to read this to you because I've read this multiple times. I want to read a text that Kim sent us after my last rambling fit. Um, I'm going to find it here. She said, hallelujah, only God can do the impossible. Water out of a rock, bread from heaven, dry up water, make water flow. More powerful than any of these miracles is the miracle of what? Salvation. We have forsaken the miraculous that is in seeing someone come to know Jesus. And I am telling you, church, that stops now. We are before we are going to long for a word from the Lord, before we are going to long for a healing touch from the Lord, before we are going to long for a prophecy from anything else, before we are going to long for anything else, we are going to long to see people come to know Jesus. That's it. That's more, that's more than anything else we could ever imagine, more than we could ever see. That is our purpose, Mark 16. We're going to read verses 15 and 16 here. It says, and he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples after he had risen. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Leave that there just for a second. 
we get so excited about whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But we have shielded ourselves from the reality that whoever does not believe will be condemned. Read this book, Radical. Guys, we started reading this book. There's a part of this book where they talk about the role of missions and how important it is to share the gospel. Because so many people are like, well, what happens to these people if they don't ever hear about Jesus, right? And there's so many different stories about this. And, and some people have said, hey, well, if, if, if no one has the opportunity to actually go introduce them to Jesus, then they'll just automatically go to heaven. Well, there's a big problem with that logic because by that logic, we need to stop doing missionary work, right? Because it's better off if they never hear about Jesus because then they're just beam me up, Scotty, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't see your faces, so I don't know how some of y'all's responded to me yet. <laughs> that song that Nevaeh was singing, I just kept, I kept singing it over and over and over because as I was hearing the words, I was thinking, gosh, if we believe these words, we would live so differently. If we believe these words, we would be so infuriated that there are countless, and I was doing my hardest work, okay, to try to figure out how many people die in Claremont County every single day. I couldn't find it. I wanted to make up a number just to tell you something, but this isn't a great time to make up numbers about deaths, so I ain't touching that, okay? But I was looking everywhere. I was looking everywhere. I was like, man, where can I find it? Where can I find it? And I couldn't find it. But we should be enraged, guys, enraged that there are people dying without Christ. We should be more fired up about that than we are fired up about anything. Than we're fired up about masks or no masks. We should be so just, I mean, in that song, that song, it says, holy there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart. And right here, and this is the part that I, we got to get, guys. I think a lot of that stuff we try to get, right? We try to get our prayer time and our Bible time and all this stuff. But this last line, and lead me in your love to those around me. Lead me in your love to those around me. See, we want to put the ownership on everyone else when it comes to leading someone to Christ. We want to say, hey, Pastor Tom, guess what? I invited someone to church. <laughs> so where's my star? Um, we, we don't have stars. Um, you want, people want to say, hey, I shared the Facebook post. <laughs> you know, I shared that. There was a little image. Listen, Tom, I was on Facebook the other day. A little image came up, and it was the devil. And it said that I wouldn't share it um, because I didn't really believe in Jesus. And you know what I did? I shared it. <laughs> right? And so many people get so consumed with the idea. And I've heard pastors, and I've, I've shared this with you many times. I've heard pastors literally say, all you got to do is get them here, and I'll get them saved. Eh, wrong. <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. 
it, it's a struggle for us because we want to see people getting saved in the church every single week. But our perspective has been wrong on that. You know why? Because church, for the most part, is for believers. What? <laughs> You're freaking me out, Tom. Um, listen, there are so many people that'll say, yeah, but you know what? You know, I, I've done the invite thing, and I, I've given cards, and I, I've put things on my Facebook, and I've put things on my car, and I've done this, and I've done this, and this. And here's the reality, Tom. You, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? And, and there's truth to that, okay? There's truth to that. But some of us are not trying to give that horse the best chance of enjoying some water. This is like going to go like weird Kentucky, I think, but just follow with me, Okay. Some of us are grabbing the dirtiest, nastiest bucket. We're throwing a little splash of water into it, and that's what we're trying to give people. And we're expecting them to just fall in love with Jesus. <laughs> when the whole time, we're spending all of our time spitting out vile things about everyone else and their brother, about our neighbors and how horrible our neighbors are. Listen, this, this isn't what we're supposed to do. Our purpose is to win people to Jesus. Your purpose, hello, listen to me. Your purpose is to win people to Jesus. It is not your role to get your people to your pastor. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Some of you have tried giving a Bible to someone instead of sharing the word of God with someone. I mean, I mean, it is too easy to say, here, I, I want to give you this Bible. You have, that's, like, that's like me handing Judah a sword and saying, son, I want you to have this. It's really sharp. He has no clue what to do with that sword. Hello? And this is what we do. We, we tell people how just, here, I... I want to just give you this Bible. And then we walk away. And you know what they need you to do? They need you to share the word with them, not just give the word to them. Some of you have tried sharing an invite with them instead of sharing the gospel with them. Instead of sharing what God has done in your life. We need to stop trying to pass the buck, guys. I mean, that's just the reality of it. We cannot continue doing this. Here's, here's what I know. The disciples, they were committed to the purpose of reaching people for Jesus, despite what was going on around them. They were being murdered, people. They were being murdered, put to death, and they continued to share the gospel and expand the kingdom of heaven. We have to wear a mask to get to our booth at Chipotle and we're furious. And we feel like we can't share nothing with nobody right now. Well, they wouldn't even want my Jesus because they're a masker or they're not a masker. <laughs> Come on. Listen, we're worried. <laughs> we're worried because it's kind of difficult to breathe with one of these things on. We're worried because we might get sick if someone needed prayer and they didn't have a mask on when they came up to me. I say this, let me die of suffocation praying for someone or let me die of COVID praying for someone because I'm going to heaven. And my concern is, are they? Hello? That is the church. 
That's where, listen, if, if, we, if we are in a place and there is someone in need, and because we have a mask on and they start getting closer, if we start doing one of these, I'm telling you right now, church, I, I don't care. And I, it's, not, it's not that I don't care about what's happening. Don't, don't misread, claws queen, claws queen, bail me out here, okay? Claws, 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 claws. You hear my claws is here. But more importantly than anything, they need to go to heaven. More than I need anything. More than my wife needs anything. More than my kids need anything. They need to know Jesus Christ. And so if you have allowed a mask to keep you from ministering to someone, stop it. If you have allowed a lack of a mask to keep you from ministering to someone, stop it. Your purpose cannot be changed because of your placement. When God aligns an opportunity for you, we have to wake up to those opportunities and we need to move on those. Not send them an invite, not say, hey, get a mask on, come to my church, bro. That's not it. We are not going to be an idle church. Listen to me. My role in this whole real church thing is not just to keep the engine running and keep the lights on until this COVID thing's gone and then we can win people to Jesus again. That's not it. I'm not the guy who's just trying to keep things running. You know, that's, that's not it. My role is to make sure that none of us, myself included, lose sight of the purposes that are found in this book. And I'm not saying that there's not challenges with anything that I'm saying to you today. But what I am saying to you is that we cannot lose our purpose in what is happening. There are people in this community that are dying and they are heading to hell. And we know so many of them. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. Because this is, this is my heart tonight, okay? In, in all of my ramblings. This is what... This is what I felt in my heart as I was getting through this word and God was, you know, like, he, d- he likes to do numbers on me. I mean, he, he's just, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun for him. Um, some of us, okay, I'm not saying everyone. I'm not going to call y'all out, even y'all outside. Some of us need to repent right now for our lack of concern for those that we know, that we are connected to that we live next to, that we live with. We need, to, we need to repent for our lack of concern for their soul. We've been so consumed with what they do or where they've been or how they act or how they talk or what they said or what they did that we've completely misplaced the reality that we are in their connection. What, what did that song say again, right? Lead me in your love to those around me. Wake up to the people that God has placed around you, right? Not the people that you're waiting to see if they show up to a church service and fill that empty pew there. Not that, but the people that are around you right now. The people that you can call, that you can text, that you can message, that you can send coffee, whatever the story is. We need to repent for being so complacent about this. The church needs to repent. Hello. We cannot keep going on being comfortable in our Christianity. We have allowed the church to become the country club. And I love some Travis Tritt people. (laughs) 
It's time for us to change. We have enjoyed the benefits of Christianity, of community, but we refuse to do what the word of God tells us. It's time to change. It's time to take this thing seriously, not just for yourself. And then listen, I can hear you. I can hear you saying, well, there, Pastor Tito, I take very good consideration for my salvation and all that kind of good stuff. I'm not talking about yourself. I'm talking about everyone else around you. I'm talking about the people that you work with, people you go to school with, people you live next to. You, you have to open up to the reality Listen, I want you to think about this. And this, is, this can be a scary thing to think about, okay? When is the last time that you led someone to the Lord? And yes, that's in your job description, okay? We don't address that, right, people? How many times have you found yourself in a moment where you could have brought up the joy, the peace, the salvation that you have, that you've experienced, the freedom that you know, but you've held back because you're concerned about their feelings? How they might feel if I said that to them? What? Hello? How do you feel knowing what you have? <laughs> Think about them feeling that, right? We need to stop the game of invite them to church. And I believe inviting people to church is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But I believe that it has been become one of the biggest deterrents for expanding the kingdom of heaven. Because when you spent all of your energy and all of your effort finally, finally getting this invite to church out, you could have been just introducing them to Jesus right then. And then what happens, right? The Holy Spirit indwells within them. And you know what happens? All of a sudden they have a longing. They have a desire to say, I need to know more. Guess what? That's kind of what church is for, people. <laughs> Inviting someone to church has become the biggest deterrent keeping us from expanding the borders of heaven. And I'm saying this to you now. Stop this sounds so wrong. Stop inviting people to church. <laughs> this pastor is weird, man. <laughs> Stop inviting people to church. Invite people to know the Jesus that you know. Invite people to understand who he is for you. Stop doing the churchy stuff. Stop doing the Christianese. Stop thinking that you have to speak a certain way and do a certain thing so that all of a sudden that they'll show up next to you in a pew. Listen, you've been doing that for years and has it worked? Maybe a little. But not enough. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know about your story. They don't need to know everything that Jesus did. They don't need to know about every miracle and every sign. They don't need to know about every prophecy. They don't need to understand revelations forwards and backwards. What they need to know is they need to hear about what Jesus has done in your life, how he has sustained you, how he has brought you out of a pit, how he has kept you from, I don't care what the story is, you know what the story is, and we need to get out of our comfy Christianity, and we need to start proclaiming, this is, this is the Jesus that I know. This is what, he, listen, I don't know what he's going to do in your life, but let me tell you what he did in mine. It's time for us 
to get back to that. We need to stop believing the lie that this building is the right environment for salvation. That was a lot of quotes, but I was quoting like crazy for that. We need to stop that. We need to stop it. We want to introduce as many people as we can to Jesus. And we cannot do that by waiting and depending on them to walk through those doors. We've done it for too many years, church. I'm not saying that to real church. I'm saying that to the church, to the bride of Christ, to the believers. We've done it for too long. We've allowed this establishment to be our crutch. And the whole time, we've never gotten stronger at all. And it's time for that to change.